everybody, Chris Harry with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. Coming up, Sean Merriman's going to join me. He'll detail his trip to Nashville for the 2019 NFL Draft. We'll also talk Lights Out Extreme Fighting, which kicked off last weekend to a sold-out crowd in Burbank. But first, defensive tackle Damian Square is back. He discusses his return to the team. Well, it was only a matter of time, but the defense got better this week. Defensive tackle Damian Square is back in the powder blues, and he joins me now on Chargers Weekly. I know free agency can be a long, drawn-out process. First, how glad are you that it's over? And second, what does it mean to be back? I mean, it's exciting to be back, man. Uh, You know, it it did get a little uh, scary for a while, man, just to think that I would have to adapt to something new. You know, those possibilities showed up in many different ways, man. And it just wasn't appealing, man. You know, um, really wanted to get the opportunity to, you know, hang around and, you know, see what type of player Derwin James would turn into and just uh, hang around and see uh, Joey Bosa get better and better, man. I wanted to be involved with that, man. And like I said, that that wasn't promising all the time in free agency, but uh, right at the end, man, we you know we came up with a mutual agreement between me and the team, and it allowed me to to stay at home, man. So I'm just really excited to to be back, man. Damien, let's say hypothetically that you did go to another team. How much of a learning curve do you think that would have been just to learn a new system, new coaches, and new teammates? Um. I mean, that would have been a big learning curve, man, just to try to, you know, fit my character into somebody else's locker room. And uh, this league has um, got a lot of guys with, with big egos and big characters, especially on the on the great teams, man. So um, I had a few opportunities to go play, you know, for some of the teams that's at the top of this league, man. And that was, those, that was one of the things that I had to take into consideration, man. I had I had that right in the house, man. And uh, just comparing, you know, those teams to – uh, the the future of the Chargers, man. I I'm just excited about where I chose to be. There also has to feel a sense of unfinished business too, right? Just especially with how things ended in New England and what you think this team is capable of in 2019. Yeah, I mean it is, man. That was that was a ugh, that game was over when it started, man. Um, and you know a few different. I played, uh, you know, in some championship situations uh, in ball, you know, before the league, man, and. Um, I really feel like if we we have another shot at that opportunity, we'll be a different team. You know, experience is everything. It's been a while since the Chargers has been in that spot. And um, we had some young guys that could play some big ball for for us, but I feel like the moment kind of overwhelmed them and, you know, some of the other guys that's been in that moment, you know. So, like I said, experience is always king, you know, in those situations. Uh, And that's the reason why New England, you know, handled it the way that they handled it and also went on to – beat a very good Rams team in the Super Bowl. So um, I'm excited to get to work with the guys, man, and hopefully get back to that situation, and I'm sure we'll handle it differently. You bring up a good point, too, about just the rookies last year getting that experience in the playoffs, having two playoff games under the belt now. You're a leader on this defense, and earlier this week I spoke to Cortez Broughton, and he shared with me just how helpful – the D-line room has been from me, Bain, to Justin Jones, to yourself. He mentioned you specifically. Is that something you take pride in, just helping these young guys along the way? Yeah, I do, man. It's exciting, man. Um, I had some guys do that for for me uh, with uh, Big Isaac Sopoaga when I came in Philly as a young boy. Uh, Trent, 
Trent Cole, you know, just to say a few, Jason Peters, even though he was an offensive player, man. So, you know, just to give these guys a little bit of my knowledge, um, every guy's different. You know, every guy, some guys come with certain things and they come missing certain things, you know. So just to try to tune up their game, like Justin, man, just to see Justin his offseason, the way he's moving. I gave him a compliment about how, how explosive and how um, good his hips has gotten over the offseason, man. So just to see these guys grow, you know, and uh, re- grow towards their peak, it's really, really cool, man, and I'm glad I could be a part of it. Jerry Tillery, the Chargers' first-round pick, defensive tackle. What are your early impressions of the rookie, and in what ways have you guys introduced him to the room and just being a professional here with the Chargers? Um, we just opened up to him, man. Uh, we, we run a, a pretty unique room where everybody has a voice in our room. We don't we don't too much play. You know, Mebane is the, the front of our room, uh, one, because of his play, two, because of his experience. But, um, you know, he kind of dictates the tone of the room, and our room is a, a wide-open room, and everybody has a voice in our room. We uh, we give everybody opportunity to speak and learn, and I think through that, it helps us grow as a group. So adding Tillery to the room, um, it's a great addition. He's a big guy. Uh, he plays some big ball at Notre Dame. Uh, I know he got some things, some kinks that he needs to get earned out, you know, so he can become the complete player that he needs to be. But just watching his motor on tape, um, I'm excited to see it uh, amongst us out on the practice field. And this week, your first time to share a field with Thomas Davis, another big-time leader added to the D. What's it been like working with Thomas this week? Um, he fit right in, man. I was in a weight room talking to him the other day like he'd been with the Chargers for six years. You know, just a genuine <laughs> guy. Uh, so it's, you know, cool to be around a guy like him. You're always um, you're interested to see, you know, what type of guys they are. I remember when I got – with the Eagles as a rookie, man, I was just so uh, interested to see what type of guy Michael Vick was. And he was an awesome person, you know, so just to get around TD, you know, you hear different stories. I had an opportunity to meet him in certain situations, you know, since I've been in the league, but just to be in a locker room with him as a teammate, uh, seems like a really, really cool guy. Uh, even at his age, he's willing to learn, but he's also willing to drop knowledge. And that's, that's really, really cool. One of the rookies, Emeke Egbole told me a funny story this week that he forgot to, I think he dropped the ball in practice and forgot to do his push-ups. And Thomas Davis said, did you get your 10? And he was, it slipped his mind, and he had to go down and get 10. It's the accountability, I guess, is what he was preaching, that you guys, even independent of the coaches, there's so many vets on this team that hold each other accountable, and that's going to trickle down to the new guys on this team too, I imagine. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, that's, that's just uh, the marks of a great organization. You know, if it's just – it's just coming from up top. You're going to miss somebody, man. So just to be, you know, amongst vets that will hold you accountable uh, from week to week because it is a long season, you know, and um, you will have some scares during the season and you will, you know, have some teams that come that compete with you sometimes when you on paper they should, you know, so because it is the NFL. So just to have that accountability when things are falling short to keep things tight, that way we can bend but don't break. That's a really, really big thing. That's the marks of a great defense and a great team. Damien, last thing for you, wins and losses, they don't carry over from 2018 to 2019. Phillip talked about starting over this offseason, and obviously you guys have a lot of the same pieces in place. Uh, what are your expectations just over the next month and change in OTAs and, and minicamp, just kind of rebuilding and recreating the success that you guys had last year and taking it to a next level? I mean, I, I guess right now we're just focused on culture. You know, we added a few new guys to the locker room that's uh, going to have to contribute for us uh, immediately, especially, uh, you know, back at the safety position. Um, so just, you know, uh, inflicting our will on those guys and, and letting them know what, how we want to perform as a team. 
the expectations that we have as a football team, you know, um, that's big. So I think right now in the offseason, man, you just focus on culture. And I think if you tighten the culture up and, and, and let the young guys know what's expected of them every day and what we will not have, you know, as a team and the things that we will accept as a team, I think that'll carry over into the season itself. Damian Square, back in the powder blues. I appreciate your time, man. I know it's uh, it's been kind of a wild week for you getting back into the mix, and uh, we look forward to seeing yeah. you around the Hook Performance Center, buddy. All right, man. Appreciate you. All right, Bolts fans. Before we get to Sean Merriman, I want to remind you to enter the Jack Boys Jersey Giveaway Sweepstakes for a chance to win an autographed jersey signed by all the defensive backs, and you can also meet them at training camp. Go to chargers.com slash jackboys to enter. That's Jack Boys with a Z, J-A-C-K-B-O-Y-Z. No purchase necessary to enter or win. Promotion ends on June 14th. See official rules for details at chargers.com slash jackboys rules. All right, now on the line, front of the podcast, my guy Sean Merriman joins us here on Chargers Weekly. And Sean, normally we kick things off with football, but not today because lights out extreme fighting. Made its debut last weekend in Burbank. It was sold out. It looked like a huge success. First off, congratulations. And second, take as long as you'd like and explain how this venture came to be. Uh, you know, well, uh, football was my number one passion, man. I mean, it was my, my number one joy since I was a kid. But my second passion was uh, combat sports and fighting in general. Um, you know, I started doing uh, mixed martial arts during the off seasons when, you know, my time with the Chargers because I wanted to get my hand-eye coordination right and my leverage. And I wanted, being an outside linebacker and pass rusher, you wanted to be really, really violent with your hands. So uh, I picked up on the sport and ended up just kind of falling in love with it and doing it every off season uh, while I was playing. So that, um, that first season, actually, in 2006, when I came back, I just felt like a different player mm. after picking up one MMA. Now... I get a chance to promote Lights Out Extreme Fighting. Um, our, our, the event was put out. It actually airs uh, Thursday uh, on Fox Sports West. Uh, so that's a really big deal for us. It was, uh, it was a great event. That's awesome, man. So the crossover bouts I see, are, are any NFL guys going to participate in this down the line? Yeah, we actually, uh, Chris McCain, you know, you guys know him over there well. Uh, Chris was a heck of a player, uh, just a freakish athlete. And, um, you know, he, his time with football was cut short. He was ready to move on, and he said, hey, I feel great. I still want to compete. So uh, he's going to actually fight on my July 6th card coming up right here in Burbank, uh, the Burbank Marriott Event Center. And uh, I can't wait to see him, man. You know, just, I just think that you know, football gives you, like, this certain explosion, right, like this man strength. You see offensive tackles at 330 and 340 pounds, and then you come over to combat sports, um, you know, and bring that same thing. But now you're learning technique. Some of these guys can be pretty scary. Sean, every time I talk to you and every time Chargers fans hear you on this podcast and really all around L.A., you just have so much passion in everything you do. How do you translate that relentlessness that you had on the field to other aspects of your life? Because I tell you this, I know a lot of former players that probably don't share the same passion for football as they have for other things. You've seemed to just really translate it into a bunch of different opportunities. Well, you know, when I when I get a chance to talk to a lot of guys, I say fo- football, and let's just say sports in general, um, teaches you a lot because it's really the closest thing there to life, right? I mean, you you have your ups, your downs, your injuries, your things, your obstacles you have to come back from, and it teaches you so much. It kind of builds up this uh, this shell 
that gets really, really tough, and now you take this same mentality and apply it to something else that you love doing, you can be extremely successful. You just have to be consistent and uh, want to keep getting after it over and over again. When something doesn't work, keep getting after it, and that's just my motto of life. I mean, just keep going forward no matter what happens, and, uh, and, and keep getting after it, man. That's, that's number one. I think Chargers fans saw your passion in Nashville. So, so draft weekend, I'm sure you heard Santa Monica Pier. It was wild. We had like thousands of Chargers I, I fans out the, there. Chris, I seen the pictures. It was insane. <laughs> it was I seen the pictures in the video, and I was like, man, that's uh, that's crazy. And I and for a second, right? So for a second, I was like, they they sent me to the smaller party. Right? <laughs> they sent me to the smaller party to, to represent out there in Tennessee, and I missed the big party, uh, you know, in Santa Monica, but. Uh, Tennessee was was amazing. Yeah, you know what? It was a it was an event that was tailor made for you. But like you said, you had bigger business in Nashville announcing the Chargers second round pick, and it looked like it was a wild scene down there. Just describe from the time you touched down into Nashville to announcing the Chargers second round pick. What was that experience like, man? It, it was great because um, for one, when when I landed in the airport, it was a ton of fans like just hanging around baggage claim, right? And, uh, you know, my team was down there waiting for me. And they said, hey, we just want to give you a heads up that uh, it's a ton of fans down there. And if I bag playing with autographs waiting, and do you want to go around back? I said, no, I want to go exactly where they are. <laughs> that sure. was my response. Like, let's go where they are. Um, so, you know, went and kind of signed autographs. and hung out a little bit in the airport, talked to some of the fans, and, you know, reported to the guy to the hotel. Uh, after that, we, uh, you know, just knocked out some couple football shows, NFL Network, and kind of doing our rounds and doing some podcasts, radio, TV. Um, but then, you know, the, the the big thing was really getting ready to, and prepared to announce for the draft. Yeah, and the Chargers, Nazir Adderley, the the safety of Delaware, was the Chargers' second round pick, and this was a guy that was mocked in the first round, really all through this draft process. What was it like to call his name and just to see all the Chargers fans and really all the NFL fans there and you doing the lights out dance? I appreciated that, Sean. <laughs> uh, it was cool. Well, first off, um, you know, walking out to 200 plus thousand people, you can't really describe it. That's right? a rush. Been in front of crowds of 50 and 60 and 70,000 people, which is still a ton of people. But when it's over 200,000 people, you don't see the end of the crowd. Like, you see a big wave, and you just it goes dark, right? So you never see the end of the crowd. So that was scary as hell, for one. Um, but two, it was the anticipation in the back, right? Because, you you know, there's a lot of switching with other teams, guys, um, you know, trading out, a lot of movement going on, which kind of delays you going up and call your pick. So the, the biggest, uh, I guess, nerve-wracking thing was waiting to call the pick and not actually knowing who it's going to be. Uh, now, you know, Adderley, man, he, he, you know, you look at a guy like him, you're like, how in the hell does he last to second round, right? Yeah. How, how do you go? And then that far, that many teams, uh, you know, I, I said the same thing about Derwin. I thought Derwin was the top five talent, you know, and he went where he went. And I think Adderley was the first round guy and he went where he went. So um, they're making some exceptional picks and, um, and really really smart because a lot of teams passed up on some really, really good players and Adderley's one of them. As a defender, how does he fit into this defense and, and how does he complement Derwin? We've heard a lot of rave reviews in terms of the potential of this young duo in the NFL, but, but it seems like they complement each other very nicely. Yeah, you, you look at Derwin, he, he's the force factor, right? Um, Derwin's going to come up and you're gonna, he's going to make his presence felt immediately. He's going to be the guy that Teams are going to look up and say, okay, where's Derwin James winding up at? Okay, he's here. 
we got to watch that person. What happens is Adderley's a guy now he can be he's a, he's a trust factor. He's a guy that when Darren goes out, he, he's the enforcer. He's coming downhill and he's flowing to the ball that you don't have to worry about a guy not doing his job because he's because Darren's going out and making a big play and being all over the field. Adderley's a trusted guy. He's the guy that's going to sit back in that secondary that you say, okay, don't worry about it. We're good. We, he got it. You know, he's that type of player. And now, Sean, they got they got ball hawks all over the secondary. I mean, we talk about Derwin and, and Adderley, but what about Desmond King, man? He's he's got a magnet for the ball. Uh, Casey Hayward, before the twenty eighteen season, he was among the NFL interception leaders. So you got four guys back there, and then couple that with just the disruption that Ingram and Bosa and Nuosu calls up front. Also, some of these other guys that they brought in. I mean, just the fact that the pass rush in the secondary work hand-in-hand, hand. Uh, it looks like a defense that's going to be even better in 2019. To me, they have the best secondary in football um, when you look across the board. Uh, and, and, and more importantly, they have depth now. You know, when, when you can have a, you know, two good quarterbacks or a good safety in a good corner, but you know, if a guy goes down, which is a long, it's a long season, things happen, another guy can step back, step right up, and you don't miss a beat. Um, and then the second part of that is you have – these pass rushers up front now who's getting to the ball, you know, outside of Melvin and, and, uh, and Joey. Now you have Tillery just, uh, providing pressure up the middle. So now quarterbacks are not holding on to the ball long anymore. What's going to happen is these DBs going to start sitting on plays. They know that in three seconds or less, the ball has to be thrown. You know, I played with uh, a quarterback and who, who, who did a lot in Antonio Cromarty. Antonio Cromarty knew, we talked about it all the time, that he knew that the, uh, the quarterback couldn't hold the ball long. And he would sit on routes. He would he would jump certain things because he knew that the quarterback had to throw the ball. That's the same type of thing that's going to happen on uh, happen here with this type of secondary. Yeah, we're talking about too. Like you see, Bosa, Ingram, or Tillery just getting their hands on the football, like the tips at the line of scrimmage. And I didn't even mention Tillery uh, previously. The Chargers' first round pick, six uh, six, he can get to the quarterback from the interior. Uh, what do you think of that selection and how he'll mesh up front? Well, you look at it, right, and I look at everything like a puzzle. Uh, what pieces are missing? You know, you, we just talked about the, the secondary and how they're stacked back there. You know, Denzel Perryman's coming back. He's the, he's the thumper. He's like the anchor right there in the middle. You've got two outside linebackers who can get better, get after it more than any, anyone in the National Football League, in my opinion. The best one-two punch combo in the NFL. And then you add Tillery, who's now providing pressure with that long body up the middle. So what are you going to do? I mean, a lot of quarterbacks, what they love to do against two, two great outside linebackers or, or defensive ends who can pass rush is they love to step up. That's, that's, their, that's their antidote. That's their key to getting away from a great pass rush. What happens when you can't step up anymore? That's, that's what's taking place. Tillery, you won't be able to step up. And if you do, he's six six. He's just going to put his hand up and bat the ball down. We're going to see a lot of batted balls this year because he's just so tall. He's so big in there. He's going to provide that pressure up the middle. Sean, final thing for you. We're in mid-May. OTA's about to start. we got minicamp in June. What else do the Chargers need to do this offseason to really get to that, that ultimate prize, which is the Lombardi? Uh, we've seen them improve the roster from Thomas Davis to the backup quarterback position to what they've done in the draft. Is there anything else that you think this team needs before training camp gets underway? You know, with them, they're, they're so stacked with talent. They have players all over the field. What they're going to have to do is take care of the little things now because sometimes when you have so much talent and uh, guys are so good, 
They want to make the big plays. They want to go for the big interceptions. They want to go for the big hits, um, the, the big catches. They, they want to go big throws. They want to go for all the big stuff. What's going to work for them is the little thing, uh, attentive to details, because that is the only thing that's going to help them get over that hump and raise that trophy. Sean Merriman, Lights Out Extreme Fighting. Man, I am thrilled for you in this venture. We'll be talking more about this during the summer, no doubt. You got it. And uh, we got to have you out to our July 6th fight, man. Uh, it's going to be a good one. No question, my man. Looking forward to it. And, guys, that's going to do it. My thanks to Sean Merriman and Damian Square for joining me. But, of course, thanks to you all for listening. If you like what you hear this offseason, we'd appreciate it if you left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Harry.